open your Bibles, please, this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. For several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared burglars. And uh, one night, her husband heard a noise in the house. That ever happened to you? You hear a noise in the house. He went downstairs to investigate. And when he got there, do you know what he found? He found a burglar. Good evening, said the man of the house. I'm pleased to meet you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting to meet you for 10 years. (laughs) How much time, how much life is wasted by worrying? Now, we're talking about in this series, numbering our days and making our days count. Have you memorized our theme verse yet? If not, you're memorizing it with us. We won't say the reference, but say it with me out loud today, would you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Time is short. Time is too short to spend in worry. There's really nothing good about worry. Did you ever think about that? It's been noted that worry is an old man with a bent head carrying a load of feathers that he thinks is lead. It's been noted that worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. It's been noted that worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Worry is harmful It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And it absolutely changes nothing. And so the question is, why do we do it? Why do we worry? Well, if we were talking one on one, you might say, well, preacher, I'll be honest with you. There's so much to be worried about today. Just look around at our world. Look around at our country. Look around at our own community. And then we look at our families and we begin to think about all the things that could go wrong. Health issues and financial reversals and wrecks and accidents and horrible things like cancer and heart disease and even death. And to be honest with you, some of you weren't worrying when I started, but now you're starting to worry as you think about all these things. Some of you have already been worrying this morning. Some of you have been worried for years. Some of you might be like the uh, man who said, I've got so many troubles right now that if anything bad happens today, it'll be two weeks before I can worry about it. Some of you are like, that's where you're living. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, preacher. The announced sermon today, the announced sermon in the bulletin is spend time in prayer, spend some time in prayer. So why all of this talk? About worry. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You're in Philippians chapter 4 by now. And I think as we read the scripture together, you're going to see the answer. Now, we're seeking to number our days. We're seeking to live with a heart of wisdom. We know some things are non-negotiable. There are some things that must be in our life. And last week we looked at the first one. And that is we need to spend time in the word of God. And today we're going to add the second one, and that is we must spend time in prayer. But today, instead of preaching this message like this, you need to pray more. And everybody say amen. And I'd say the same thing to me. You need to preach more. Instead of just saying that, that you need to pray more, I'm going to give you a way today that will perhaps double, triple, or even quadruple the amount of time 
that you spend in prayer. Do you want to know how to do that today? How can you double, quadruple, triple, greatly increase the amount of time that you spend in prayer? Well, look with me in the scripture in Philippians chapter four, and you're going to learn the answer. And we're going to talk about it. Now, in this passage we're about to read, you're going to find one of the worst things you can do with your time. And you're going to find one of the best things. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As we read, did you notice one of the worst things you can do is what? Worry. One of the worst things you can do with your life and your time. And you also notice one of the best things you can do, and that is pray. Now, how can you... Double, triple, quadruple, greatly increase the amount of time that you spend in prayer. Well, it's real simple. And by the way, you might want to take some notes today. There's a sheet in your bulletin. You could even take some notes today. Very simple. Here's what you need to do. Turn your worries into prayers. Turn your worries into prayers. Now, is this not what this verse is teaching? These verses here It's saying, don't worry. Instead, pray. Now, imagine if you took all the time that you spend worrying about stuff. And yes, there's a lot you could worry about. But imagine if you took all that time that you spend worrying and instead of worrying, you turn those worries into prayer. If you did that, would your prayer time increase? Are there any worry warts in here today? There might be some among us that you might be the next praying high if you really did that, if you turned your worries into prayers. Now, beloved, let's be honest about it. We can worry or we can worship. The choice belongs to us. We can worry or we can worship. Now, we know the wise choice, but knowing is not enough. We have to do it. And so I want to unpack these two verses, and I'm excited about today's message. Now, I love to preach, but I'm really excited about today's message. God's already used it in my own life. He's used it this past week. I believe He can use it in your life. And, and jot these things down. Take this in today. Turn your worries into prayer. So let's unpack these two verses together. And notice, first of all, that, that don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Now, if you're reading the King James, I need to give you some clarity. Here's what the King James says. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The new King James said, be anxious for nothing. The New Living Translation said, don't worry about anything. When the King James says, uh, be careful for nothing, that does not mean that does not mean don't care about anything. That's not what it says. There are people, there are things that we should care about and care for. It also does not mean that you should not plan and prepare and so forth, because it is so would be foolish. The meaning here has the idea of anxiety or worry or anxiousness. It's care that has gotten out of control. Bengal put it this way. It's a harassing care. I like the way he said that. Isn't that what worry is? Isn't that what worry does? It harasses us. It robs us of peace. 
It robs us of joy and tranquility. It promises what it cannot do, and that is to change something to make a difference. And so very simply, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. And that really covers it all, doesn't it? Anything. We're not to worry about anything. Nothing. No thing. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In that same chapter, Matthew 6, verse 31, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Same chapter, chapter 6, verse 34 of Matthew. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus says again and again, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. About what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, about your life, about tomorrow. Do not worry. That's good preaching and hard living, though, isn't it? Why is worry so bad? Well, first of all, it's disobedience to God. Jesus says, don't worry. And so to worry then is disobedience to God. But uh, one commentator said it this way. Worry is bad because it's a subtle form of distrust in God. A subtle form of distrust in God. How many believers here today would pray a prayer like this? Listen to this prayer. Dear God, I don't really believe that you care about me. I don't believe that you can handle this situation. I doubt your power. I doubt your sovereignty and I doubt your love. Father, I believe that your hands are tied in this matter and I'm on my own. Amen. Now, how many would pray a prayer like that? Nobody in here would pray a prayer like that. Nobody would utter those words to the Lord. But beloved, when you worry, that's exactly what you're saying to the Lord. That's exactly what you're saying. When I worry, that's what I'm saying with my worry. I don't believe you can handle this, God. I don't believe you're strong enough, powerful enough. I believe that I'm on my own. I'm in trouble. And I'm worried. I'm fretful. And I'm anxious. But God comes along and says what? Don't worry about anything. But listen, just to say that's not enough. We can't stop right there. We've got to keep reading here in the scripture. We've got to replace all that worrying with something else, something much better. There can't just be that void there where we're not worrying anymore. Instead, we've got to pray about what? About everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Notice the scripture says there, but in everything by prayer. I thought what a great motto that is. Everything by prayer. We talked last week about taking a portion of scripture, a verse with you throughout the day and meditating on the scripture. What a great one to take tomorrow and today, wouldn't it? To just, just write it out. Everything by prayer. Imagine if you lived your life like that tomorrow and the rest of the, everything by prayer. But notice the different words used for prayer here. He uses the word prayer. That's a general broad term. It includes adoration and worship and devotion. 
He uses the word supplication and request. That's specific request for something. That's asking for something in particular. And then he adds in thanksgiving. That is offering praise to the Lord, uh, thanking him. Now, don't leave off the thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving go together like peanut butter and jelly. It goes together like uh, biscuit and molasses. Boy, I'd like to have some of that right now. But those two things go together. Listen to what the scripture says. Colossians 4.2. Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made, be made for all men. Do you see how prayer and thanksgiving are tied together? They're woven, woven together. But look at the verse again. There's a phrase there. It says that they would be known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, beloved, let me just let you know this and remind you of this. God already knows. He already knows your worries. He already knows your troubles and your trials and your problems. He knows what's keeping you up at night. He knows what's keeping your stomach in knots. He knows what you're fretting about today. He already knows. But then it says you're to pray and make it known to God. God already knows these things, but he wants you to bring them to him. There's there's something worth mentioning here, beloved. We shouldn't just pray for the benefit that we get out of it. And there is a benefit. and We're going to see it in just a moment. But we should pray simply because God has invited us to pray. God has invited us to bring those burdens to him. As I studied this past week, Donald Whitney pointed out that prayer is expected of the child of God. Jesus expects it. Luke 18, 1. God's word expects it. I just read several verses there that talks about pray, pray, pray. But here's what he noted. He said, we must see this expectation to pray not only as a divine summons, but also a royal invitation. You see the difference? Not just a divine summons. You better do this. It's a royal invitation. I'm inviting you to pray. I'm inviting you to talk with me. Hebrews 4.16 says it so nicely. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Pray, beloved, because God has invited you to. I love what one author wrote. He said about God and our prayer lives. That when we pray, he stops. He stoops. He wants to hear from you. Christian, you have the ear of God. So many people want the ear of those in power. They want the ear of the president, the ear of the vice president, the ear of the governor. The ear of the mayor. They want to be listened to. They want to be able to speak to those in power. Beloved, can I just tell you today that we have the ear of almighty God when we pray. And he invites us to pray. And I know what some are thinking. Well, you know what? I will take the big stuff to God. I won't bother God with the little stuff in my life. I'll wait and just bring him the big stuff. Kind of reminds me of the snowflake. Y'all know it was just last Sunday. 
But think about a snowflake, beloved. One snowflake's not a big deal. One snowflake falling, you can take a little toddler out there. A little toddler can stick his tongue out or her tongue out and catch that snowflake. It's not a big deal, that one snowflake. But beloved, you let enough of them get together, it can shut down the city. In the same way with your cares. You say, well, this is a little something. This is just something little, something little, little something, little something. And they begin to pile up and pile up and pile up. You better take every care to the Lord. Is that not what he tells us? First Peter chapter five, verse seven, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. If it's a care for you, it's worth taking to the Lord. And one of the author really corrected me in this. But this whole idea about big versus little stuff in our lives. Now, this is a big deal in my life. This is something little. This is huge. This is small. And he corrected me by saying this. What exactly is big to God? Now, I'm not discounting your problems or your troubles, but really, are any of them big to God? He created you. He created me. He can handle it. Yes, it's big to us. But God's not wringing his hands in despair. He's God. And so we need to bring all these cares to him. Jerry Vine said it this way. Nothing is too big for God's greatness and nothing is too small for God's care. He says, listen, pray about everything. The big stuff in your life, the little stuff in your life. If it's a care in your life, he says, I want you to cast it on me. You say, well, it's just a little. My toe hurts or whatever it may be. Listen, if it's a care to you. It's a care to him. First Peter five, seven, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And some of you need this word because let's be honest about it. We look at our lives. We think, well, you know what? I'm not dealing with what they're dealing with and I'm not dealing with what they're dealing with. And you're right. And I'm right. And there are always those who have greater cares and greater problems. But listen, my father said, cast all your care upon me for I care for you. If it's a care for you, it's a care for him. I don't want my kids just to wait and get in trouble and only come to me when it's written really big. I want them to come at the beginning so we can deal with it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and then rest in God's peace and power. Now, verse six tells us to those first two things. Now, verse seven gives us the result of uh, not worrying, but instead praying. Verse seven, Philippians four, seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice that phrase. If you'd like to underline in your Bible, mark it, peace of God, the peace of God. If you look later in verse nine, he's actually called the God of peace. Think about that. He's called the God of peace in verse nine. But beloved, understand there's a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. There's a difference between peace with God and the peace of God. Uh, we get peace with God, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, by repenting of our sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me read to you Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the way to have peace with God, because we're enmity, enemies of God and, and enmity with God until we come through the Lord Jesus Christ and we repent of our sin and place our faith in him. And at that moment, we have peace with God. And beloved, can I just say to you, 
If you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to be worried this morning. And you ought to be anxious this morning because you're headed to hell, friend. You're under condemnation right now. I beg of you, turn from your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus and you can have peace with God today. We get peace with God through salvation, but we get the peace of God through prayer. And did you notice, beloved, that both of them are centered upon Jesus Christ? Let me read you the verses again. Listen for the ending of the verse. Listen to what Romans 5, 1 says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then look again at Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. How? Through Christ Jesus. Now, notice what this uh, peace does in our life. Notice how it uh, plays itself out. First of all. You know, we get peace with God through salvation. We get the peace of God through prayer. But it surpasses all understanding. Did you notice that? Verse 7 again. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense from a human standpoint. Do you remember where Paul was at when he wrote this? He was in prison in Rome. And he's writing these glorious words. But the peace of God... Does it make sense from a human standpoint? Have you ever experienced it in your own life? Everything is going wrong. Everything is crumbling around you. And you're crying out to God in the midst of that. And there's a peace that comes in your life. The peace of God. And you can't explain it from a human standpoint. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be there from a human standpoint. And yet it is. And I've seen that over and over in people's lives. As in the midst of everything going wrong, there's a peace in their life. It's the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding. We can't explain it. But likewise, it says it guards your heart and your mind. Now, what does worry do? Uh, Worry does this. It, it, It makes your emotions and your thoughts run wild. You begin thinking about something, you begin worrying about something, and before long you're all anxious and fretful. You may begin crying, you may begin crying out. Your mind is going in all different directions. It's getting worse and worse and worse, your emotions and your thoughts. But notice what it says. It says the peace of God will guard them instead. Your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. Now, beloved, I need to tell you something very important. Don't leave yet. Don't head to the restaurant yet. You need to understand this. The promise here is peace. It's not a promise to remove the problems. The promise is peace, not a promise to remove the problems. God may choose to remove the problems. Or he may choose to give you peace in the midst of the problems. Support you to understand that. Prayer does not always change things. You ever heard that saying, prayer changes things? Prayer does not always change things, but prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. Prayer brings about peace in the midst of the storms. I wish we had time to illustrate this in the lives of some of the Bible characters. People like Daniel and Hezekiah and even Jesus himself as they went to prayer and they found peace. I would encourage you to go back and read those stories. But beloved, how can you pray more this year? 
How can you pray more in 2017 than you ever prayed in your life? I think if you'll just turn your worries into prayers, you'll pray more than you've ever prayed in your life. I know God has already used this in my own life this past week. And you've got to discipline yourself. to do. The moment you're tempted to worry about something, stop right there. And say, no, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray about it. A pastor had been on a long flight from one place to another. And uh, the first warning of uh, problems ahead came when the sign on the airplane flashed on, fasten your seatbelt. Then after a while, a calm voice said, we shall not be serving the beverages at this time as we're expecting a little turbulence. They always say that when I'm on a plane, by the way, it seems. Turbulence or not, I don't think they want to give me something to drink. But they give this calm warning, please be sure that your seatbelt is fastened. As he looked around the aircraft there, as, as you often do when you're there, it became obvious that many of the passengers were becoming apprehensive. Later, the announcer came back on and said, we're so sorry that we're unable to serve the meal at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. It says, and then the storm broke. The ominous cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkening skies and within moments that great plane was like a cork tossed around on a celestial ocean. One moment the airplane was lifted on terrific currents of air and the next it drops as if it was about to crash. The pastor confessed that he shared the discomfort and the fear of those around him. He said, and I quote, as I looked around the plane, I could see that nearly all the passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were praying. The future seemed ominous and many were wondering if they would make it through the storm. Then I suddenly saw a little girl. Apparently the storm meant nothing to her. She had tucked her feet beneath her as she sat on her seat. She was reading a book and everything within her small world was calm and orderly. Sometimes she closed her eyes and then she would read again. Then she would straighten her legs. But worry and fear were not in her world. When the plane was being buffeted by the terrible storm, when it lurched this way and that as it rose and fell with frightening severity, when all the adults were scared half to death, that marvelous child was completely composed and unafraid. And the minister could hardly believe his eyes. It was not surprising, therefore, that when the plane finally reached its destination and all the passengers were hurrying to disembark, our pastor lingered to speak to the girl whom he had watched for such a long time. Having commented about the storm and behavior of the plane, he asked why she had not been afraid. And here's what the little girl said. She said, because my daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. My daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. Beloved, there are many storms in life. There are storms we've already weathered. There are storms we may be in right now. And there are storms on the horizon. We have to remember something. And that is our father is the pilot. And he's taking us home. And we don't have to worry and we don't have to fret and we don't have to wring our hands in despair 
We don't have to live without peace and joy and comfort in this life. It will simply turn our worries into prayer. We'll experience the peace of God. A peace that is unexplainable. And a peace that will guard, like a military soldier, will guard our emotions and our thoughts. And beloved, if we'll turn our worries into prayers, we will definitely spend more time in prayer this year. And beloved, that's one of the greatest ways you can make your days count and truly have a heart of wisdom. Father, you've spoken to my heart today. I believe you've spoken to others. I pray right now, Father, you'll have your will in this place. If someone's lost, bring them to saving faith in Christ. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters, if they're carrying that burden today, may they bring it and may they leave it at this altar in your care. Help us to live this out, not just to hear it, but to do it, to turn our worries into prayers. We ask you to help us in this, we pray. Amen. Our closing time this morning, 182, I believe it is. What a friend we have in Jesus. Beloved, I, I realize today that there are those here, you need to do this right now. As we're singing this song, the altar's open. And I don't know what it is you're burdened about today. I don't know what it is you're, you're carrying today. I want to invite you this morning to do what we just talked about. Give that worry to God. Turn it into a prayer. So the altar is open. You need to be saved today. Come let me know. I'd love to lead you to the Lord today. 182, the altar is open. Let's stand and sing. What a friend we have in Jesus. You come as we sing.
take this.